Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine, where we take a look inside an author's working day. Uh, This week, we're chatting to Jack Jordan. His new novel, his seventh, is Conviction. It comes after his book last year, Do No Harm, was published through the summer and was huge. It sold very well, and it was a Waterstones thriller of the month. He talks about the pressure that that book heaped on his writing, why he loves the business side of books, and when he realised that Do No Harm might do quite well. I went to Harrogate Quarry writing festival and handed out proofs there and I think I first realized that it was an excitable title when I did a signing and there was a queue around the corner and that was that was I was not anticipated <laughs> uh, so I was a bit like oh okay something's happening and then I, I just noticed yeah you just you feel that buzz and then you know my team we'd look at it, each other with like excited eyes like oh there's something's happening and you just it, it's and you don't want to rock the boat, so you don't want to almost say out loud. And I'd been writing, um, it's been 13 years now, after 12 years, ha- feeling this feeling. It was a real pinch me moment. There is more from Jack Jordan in this week's Writer's Routine. Welcome along to the show. My name's Dan Simpson. This is Writer's Routine. Very simple. Thank you for being there. Very easy. We just take a look through an author's day. We see where, when, how they work to give themselves the best chance of getting their idea down onto the paper. And this week, we're chatting to Jack Jordan. His new novel is Conviction. It's all about barrister Neve Harper, who needs to prove Wade Darling's innocence. He's been accused of killing his wife and teenage children. This is a huge case for her until Neve is approached by a man who threatens to reveal her darkest secret if she wins the case. She faces the ultimate choice, put an innocent man in prison or put those she loves in danger. We talk about why he likes plonking his characters into tricky situations, how much his work has changed over 13 years of writing, how he's managed to create a writing space in a flat that he's just moved into, making the most of light to contrast his dark subjects sometimes. Also, very important, you can hear why his quiff is vital for him starting his day and why Jack would pay to get lost in his work. It's one of those episodes where we really do get into it. Dive right through the reads on this one. I think there's a lot that you can take away with Jack Jordan and we start, as we always do, by finding out what he sees around him in the place where he sits down to write. 
So it depends where I'm writing. So if I'm at home, I see my new flat that I've just moved into that is very tranquil, very clean, very orderly, which I really like. Um, or if I need to switch it up, I'm in a cafe that is nice and busy um, with usually sat before a window so I can see people walking past and get some inspiration. Um, and I usually have earplugs in because I like the idea of being alone but surrounded by people. That's a really interesting balance. So when you're out in a cafe, you say you make this effort, you sit near a window so you can get inspiration. When you're at home in this new tranquil setting, uh, what have you placed around you to give you that inspiration there? That's, do you know, as we're talking, I'm looking out the window now. So I think a window is very integral to my work, I think. And when I think about inspiration and talk about that, it's usually in terms of characterization. So when it's, it's the things that don't immediately come to mind when you're thinking of a character, but when you see people in real life doing what they do as they go through their everyday life, you see those minute human ticks and those little characteristic traits and just seeing that you can almost, I, someone can walk past a window and you can see a tick or you can see a trait and you can almost wonder about their backstory and where they're headed. And it just, it really just helps flow the senses in that way. Um, so that's what I love about a window. And at home, I think I, my focus tends to be straight on the laptop. Um, but I do like to have either silence or um, I love classical music that's in the calming sense or white noise um, if I'm stressed with an edit. So I like uh, beach sounds or I like um, a, a light thunderstorm. Um, but then occasionally when I really need to up the ante and I'm writing a really tense scene, I love listening to film scores. Uh, Johan Johansson is um, a favourite of mine. Hans Zimmer, as many, he's, he's a favourite to many. So yeah, that's kind of my inspiration in that way. Recently moved into this flat uh, and you are what you're, you just published your seventh novel, I think it is. Uh, how much thought did you give when you were looking around flats that you wanted or whatever it is um, of, of where you would be writing, like placing yourself in the perfect position to give yourself the best chance of getting the stuff down? That is such a good question. And one I've not been asked before, which I love. And that was it was the main focal point of where I wanted to move. So I I really I just came from a flat where I live in Brighton um and it's there's so many perks to it. But one perk, one downside to it is uh we have scaffolding up all the time. Whether it's your neighbours, whether it's yours, whether it's everyone down the street, there's always that sound of scaffolding. There's always that. So which isn't great for calm. <laughs> um but uh so yeah I so when I found the place I'm in now it is, it's got, another thing about Brighton as well, they have uh, single pane windows, but I found a place that has thick glass in the window, so I can't hear outside too much. Um, it's lovely and renovated. It's just calm and clean. And uh, there is scaffolding because it's Brighton, but it's out the back and I've shut enough doors that I can't hear it at all. So I think it's just about having that. And also, I guess I'm not highly educated in um, feng shui but i guess it's kind of built in to how we see our living spaces and what makes us comfortable and i think where i'm at the moment there's a lovely round um dining table um in like the kitchen dining living area um and it's placed perfectly in the corner of the room so i can look out to the rest of the room but also see the window um with a lots of natural light and also really and now i'm really thinking about it when i'm in a cafe and when i'm at home i like to write off of a light table so like this one I'm writing on now is white um 
and I can tell, I can, it's so weird. I can tell uh, my productivity changes depending on light. So if I, if I can't get my favorite table in the cafe, that's like a silver table, I have to sit at one that's like a dark wood. And I almost feel, it almost feels quite gloomy and secluded. It's the, it's, I had never thought of it or said it out loud before. <laughs> well, what's, what's really interesting is that, uh, I, I don't know how much we, we can read into this, but when you, uh, when I speak to authors that write really grisly crime and your, I mean, yours is crime and, and thriller and all of that. Uh, but when you imagine like your typical, perhaps old school grizzled crime writer, they will be sat in an old Victorian house with a very sturdy wooden desk and, and may, maybe it's kind of mirrored in what they write. I don't know. Are we reading too much into it? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think, I mean, there's um, amazing people live in, um, amazing writers live in amazing places, don't they? I think um, I always envy Val McDermott's library from what I can see on Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think when it comes to, I think also it's down to, um, productivity as well because i think or maybe you're right maybe it's that i need you need like the light environment to be able to go to those dark places and then when you come out you've got a nice light um safe space yeah i hadn't thought of it like that yeah and and i'm sure with all of these it's quite different for everyone just um like so that's the inspiration side of it what about the practical aspects of your writing i'm talking post-it notes notebooks perhaps do you use anything to track what's happening next Really good question. I I wish I was as organised as I should be. I think um, I write a book a year, so I'm quite. I tend to go from writing to editing to promoting, and it's like one. Uh, it's a, it's a continuous um, loop. So I don't um, have as much time to organise as I'd like. So I tend to. I used to. You know, they say you're a pa- planner or a pantster. I would say I'm firmly in the middle. I'm a pantster. Um, and that's after experience and deadlines and things like that. So I've had to find my way in the middle. So when I'm writing, I do love a notebook, but it doesn't have to be, I think I know some authors can really swear by a particular type of notebook and a particular pen and a you know real order. I'm a scribbler. So I will have an idea and quickly scribble it. So I will, there'll be, I'll use pages and pages and pages of one notebook in probably about a month just to be writing thoughts down. Um, and then but it does have to be pretty. I don't. I, I, I quite like a, a nice colour. Um, I quite like. A, I go for a pastel colour. Um, it has. It has a matching pen. That's great. Um, but yeah, so I tend to write lots of scribbled notes. But also, I really love. Um, I've got a special email address, and I just email all of my notes, all of my thoughts, all of my backup to there, and it just gives me that safe space. So I'm not going to lose the note, or if I'm up in the middle of the night and I have an idea, I can just ping myself that email. So I think I'm kind of I'm a hybrid between electronic help and the old school note pen and pad. Well, I tell you what, on a very similar vein, I chatted to an author recently, and I've started doing this myself to a degree. Uh, they will whatsapp voice note themselves ideas so when when they're driving in their car and maybe they can't and they're having good ideas whatever it is they kind of ping the voice note and they send it back to themselves so you're not really alone with that style of planning jack oh i didn't know about the voice notes i might start doing that that's amazing there's a it's an idea isn't it um uh, just one lastly on the very specific thing you're writing while you're at home uh, we get kind of niche and technical what software do you write on and most vitally sort of all uh, what font do you use oh you know i'm i'm i might disappoint you i'm quite old school i write on words i don't do scrivener or i don't do the the cool uh, software that everyone uses now i'm a old school write in word write as you know in that kind of sense i love the safe practicality of that um 
I'm because I'm so used to it. I'd have to learn anything new. I think starting a new book, which is nerve wracking enough to then start a new software. I just think it'd be too much my little brain. So I think I, I stick with words. I'm quite happy with that. And the font I use, um, I don't know. What, I've never said that out loud. I'm really scared. I'm going to pr- pronounce it wrong. So do correct me if I say it wrong. Um, uh, Helve- Helvetica. Helvetica. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Helvetica. So that's okay. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's not, too, it's kind of clean on the page. It's not too in your face. It's not too formal, but it's not too informal. I think, yeah, it's just got that, it's got that middle ground. You also mentioned right at the start that when you like to mix things up, when you like to change it, you'll head to a cafe. What prompts you having to get up and leave? Well, religiously, I used to write, I used to write religiously in cafes. So it used to be my work day would be I'd work out in the morning or do admin or things I had to do at home. And I'd leave my house to have that disconnect between home and work and write in a cafe for, um, I would cafe hop so they didn't get annoyed. Um, but I'd be out from midday to dinner time. Um, and then I'd come home and have that home feeling. But I think where I, the way I write is impacted by the way I feel. So if I'm feeling particularly stressed or if I'm feeling particularly overwhelmed, um, which can happen with edits or it can happen with promotion or it can happen with all different or just life in general. I think my writing habits change. So when I'm not up against the wire, I love writing in a cafe. I have that sense of escape. I have that. And also it, it makes you have, you have to sit there for the allotted time because you've bought a coffee and you've spent money on it and you can't leave until you've done what you've been there to do. And I love that sense of um, responsibility and discipline. Um, but at the moment, I think when I, so I'm a real introvert and a home bird. So when I'm going here, there and everywhere, which I love, I do then need to ground myself at home. So I think that's when I start to write at home more. So it's kind of this mismatch of the two. So I start in a cafe when I'm first writing and then the further I go in, the more I stay at home to get it done. So I wake up between eight and nine. I'm not a morning person. Uh, I would love to be the person who's up at the crack of dawn. I would love it. So do the walk. I mean, I live so close to the beach, so I could literally, I could be up at six in the morning. I could be walking down the beach. I could be thinking of good ideas. My brain doesn't work that way. I'm just not awake until eight or nine. Um, I'd much rather work later. Um, so I wake up and because I'm not a morning person, I like it quite slow. I like to introduce myself into the day quite, um, slowly. I am, uh, admittedly a dirty smoker so I will then get a caffeinated drink I'll put my sunglasses on make sure I look acceptable and I'll go out for some cigarettes and have a walk and think about what I need to do that day uh then I'll come home I'll have a shower um I do I have to I have to shower and dress and have my you know I've got a a, a fancy quiff I've got to have that every day I think it really helps <laughs> it's got, I've got to get the blow dryer out I think it, it helps me feel great it felt it helps me feel um committed to the day and the tasks ahead I think if I, I couldn't sit in my trackies or my bed hair or anything I just think I'd feel too comfy um <laughs> and then I wouldn't want to do the work so then I will um so once I'm ready I might even walk to a coffee shop and get a coffee to go and I get an extra hot oat latte um the largest one they'll do and then I head back to my desk and I sit there and I try and get ready so I'm usually quite so at the moment I'll say at the moment I'm quite uh, writing is uh, accompanied by stress. I've got a deadline and I've uh, publishing quite uh, two books this year and um, moving house all quite in close succession. Um, so writing's had to take a back seat. So at the moment, I'm a little bit stressed about my deadline. So I have to give myself a pep talk, 
that there's only so much I can do in a day, that it's all going to get done, that I've been in these situations before. So I have to really get myself into that calm, productive state. And then I will choose a um, soundtrack that I like. So yesterday and today, um, let me see what one I'm listening to. Um, quite generic, but four hours classical music for relaxation on YouTube. Um, it's just a nice little playlist of certain things that I'm listening to. And it just gets me in the right, uh, for creatively, it gets me in the mode, but also for my mood, I feel calmer. And then I, what I like to do is if I've been, let's say I've had the weekend off, I will read over what I've done um, in my previous writing session because I feel it's really important um, to kind of get me in that headspace of my own voice and flow and style and pick up where I left off. Um, and then once I've done that, then I have to bite the bullet and jump in. Um, and sometimes writing is like pulling teeth and sometimes it is that beautiful euphoric feeling of where you get lost in what you're doing. And I wish that was more than it currently is. I love that feeling of, and this is what I love writing about in cafes. I can be writing, I can be writing away and I'll start at, let's say 12. I've got a coffee. People are sat around me, probably the lunch rush. And then I am writing and I'm so sucked into it. And when I come out, it's four hours later, the people around me have changed. My coffee's cold. My water glass has been taken away. Uh, it's just completely, I, and I love that getting lost into a feeling. And I wish that was every day. I, I would pay for it to be every day. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my writing routine. And then I will aim for, I don't do word counts. I will go, I will do, I like to write a chapter. And then once I've done that, and depending on how long that chapter is, um, I will then think, right, can I do another scene or can I do another chapter? What can I do? And then, but if I've still got to, uh, occasionally if I wear myself out um, by the writing stage, if I then want to continue getting things done, but I know I won't be able to write to the best of my ability a fresh scene, I'll go back to another scene um, that might be a little bit worse for wear and polish it up and raise it up. So I'm kind of a back and forth writer and I, I give myself freedom as well. So if I'm, if I've got a scene to write and it's just not working today, I will put that aside for tomorrow and I will jump ahead and I will write a scene that I know I'm excited to write and I can kind of write myself to that point. Um, so yeah, I give myself permission to write how I'm feeling in that moment. At the end of the day, uh, how good are you at switching off? Uh, if, it, if it's kind of just you, I'm sure, I'm sure you've got a busy life, busy social life out in Brighton, but you mentioned that you are quite introverted, you know, you live on your own. How good are you at taking yourself and thinking of other things as you get towards the evening <laughs> i can think of all the people in my life who are saying he's terrible at it <laughs> um i so no, i i am um i'm often i'm still switched on but not so much in the writing side but more of the business side um emails um social media planning um schedules so i Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not that good at switching off. But when I do, but I do make sure that I relax every evening um, and I try and hide my phone away from myself so I don't jump back into work mode. But I am a stickler for having a film on uh, relaxing on the sofa. So after I, I eat dinner quite early. So after I finish writing, um, I will then crack on with dinner. Um, and depending on how tired I am, it could be a lovely, healthy meal. Or it could be a quick and fast one that's probably not as healthy. Um get that done and then I will stick a film on. Uh, at the moment I'm uh, watching, um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm not gonna say the name wrong because I love her as an actress. Um, Jang, uh, Jang Z, 
she is the star of like Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, yeah, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know, I just I, I've got my favorite actresses that I like to watch, um, and so, yeah, so I tend to rewatch those or like, try something new. Um, so yeah, I love to do that, and probably with a brandy and coke. Um, and probably too much chocolate. That's my relaxation mode. And then at the moment, which is a miracle, because I can't usually get into writing, uh, reading when I'm writing um, down to the wire, um, but I'm reading more at the moment as an escape, which I it's, it's so, I think a lot of writers um, probably feel this, but I, reading can remind me of work, which can be counterproductive to me relaxing. But I think there has to be a particular... Uh, you know, I know I've got a good writer or a good book on my hands when I get lost into the story. Um, and at the moment, I'm reading Curtis Sittenfeld's um, American Wife. Uh, I just finished Romantic Comedy and fell in love with it. So I, I bought loads of her backlist. Um, and that's part of my relaxation schedule now. Um, but then I'm usually up too late. Um, and then so I'm too tired in the morning. But it's kind of a roll cycle that I've had for 30 years and I don't think I'll ever break. <laughs> You're... Um... Your writing routine, I can't think of the right word for it, but I th- it, it seems quite thought out, uh, uh, quite actual. I wake up in the morning, then I do this, I do my hair, I go for my coffee, I have my cigarettes, I, you know, da 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 um, How good it, and, and now you're seven books in, I'm sure you're very busy, you discussed the business side earlier on, there's always something on the go. How good are you at writing somewhere that you're not particularly comfortable with if necessary if you're on a plane to a book festival perhaps and you need to get down a chapter if you're on a train how good are you at dealing with that uncomfortableness that's not a word but how good are you at dealing with that i like that question that is do you know i think so at the moment so i am going on um uh, a mini tour for conviction next week actually wow uh, and I and I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that I'm not going to get much writing done. So I'm trying to write my way there. So this week I'm going to do um, as much writing as I can. Um, and I'm, I'm, t- I'm turning off the emails. I'm uh, hiding away to get it done. Um, and then I think, do you know, I think it's I need to do a bit. Of, I need to switch modes. I think because I'm an introvert. I think I can get quite, I, I love being extroverted. I love meeting people. I love going to do events. I absolutely love it. But the counter uh, side of that is that I get, I'm very drained after that. Cause that's just uh, as an introvert, I just get drained by exerting myself socially. So I need to kind of hide away and build up my energy again. And then I can get into writing again. So it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a challenge in that way, but I think that's when I just have to learn that I have to write up to those moments, allow myself to be the writer on the road um and then come back and focus again but i do have to try and write while i'm away um i do i I do like writing on trains i think depending on the environment um uh so i think for the first time i went so i went to cornwall for a writing retreat this year and for the first time um i paid a first class ticket because I thought, okay, I'm going to, I need to write. I need to be in a quiet environment. I need to be in this, you know, so I, 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 I treated it like this is going to be my workspace for five to seven hours. Um, and so I think I'm learning to find those pockets of uh, tranquility to write in those areas. Um, but also I think, I think I get practice from writing in cafes uh, where there is noise around you and the earplugs only do so much. Um, and that's part of the joy, really, because you want to be immersed in um, the community. So I have my earphones with me. So I listen to my white noise. I listen to my music. 
Um, so I kind of just take, I pick up my routine and just take it on the road. Uh, so trains are good. And I think long journeys are good if it's got a good table. Um, it definitely depends on the train. Um, so like I li- we're living in Brighton. I couldn't write on a, t- a Thameslink train because I don't have tables and there's no leg room. It would just be misery. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be so good at writing in hotels, I don't think. Um, that's, that's, that's so funny because um, like quite a lot of the listeners to this podcast are like we're international, right? So we've got a lot of people over in Missouri or Nebraska, and they'll be listening to Thameslink, thinking, "What is what is this dude talking about?" That's so. But it is really struck a chord with me, Jack. Yeah, quintessentially British train system. <laughs> so yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, tra- Thameslink is um, a particular train service that is um, the seats are very close together. Um, there's no tables. Uh, it's, it's a commuter train, basically. Um, we're just shuttled from the seaside to the city and back. <laughs> um, you spoke about the business side of it and social media and having to do that. And one thing I've noticed uh, from just like kind, kind of following you on, on Twitter for the last few years uh, you are hot on that, right? You are, uh, and and it's such a big part of being an author now, kind of your own responsibility to sell your books, to make money in a way that perhaps authors 20, 30 years ago, it, it wouldn't have been a part of their day. They would have just turned up to writing festivals, maybe written a couple of editorials and that's it. But you're very across every facet of that. How much of a, a conscious decision is that for you, especially when, you know, by your own admission, you're quite introverted. So having to do these things and put yourself out there, how challenging is that a decision for you to have made? That's I've never been asked that. I really like that question. Um, I, so I, when I first started my career, so I'm published by Simon and Schuster now, um, and I've had publishers before this. Um, but when I first started, I was a self-published author um, and, so, and when I did that, I essentially created my own mini publisher in what I was doing and I had a real business attitude and approach to it. So it's kind of been, it's kind of been baked into my process. So I was very, from the, from the get go, um, so from 2015 when I was first published, um, have been very conscious of building that, uh, quote unquote brand, uh, and having that, uh, presence and having that, sense of community as well um and i think so i've it's it's always been baked into me um i am very aware that it's attractive to publishers if you do have an online presence um i I do think it's a i think there can be that myth that say if you don't if you're not on social media you won't get public i don't think that's true um i don't i don't i don't really heard that in real life but i think it does it definitely lends uh help to like marketing and publicity um I don't know how I get people to sit in uh, events if I didn't post about it on social media. So I think it kind of it. So there's it's definitely helpful for the business side of it, and I do love that side of it. So I do really thrive on that. I think it's it's kind of a writing an entrepreneurial bundle I've got going on. I really I do really enjoy it. Um, I love the business meetings. I love the marketing and publicity planning. I love throwing around ideas. I'm very lucky I've got a publisher that is really collaborative and takes on ideas and doesn't say no very often, which is really rare and lovely. Um, and yeah, so that I, I do love that side of it. So I think, and so in that term, I love social media as, and also I think living alone and working alone 
it's important to have your community. So I think, and with writers, you know, our friends can be, our really close writer friends can be hundreds of miles away because we meet at festivals and we, we keep in touch throughout the year, but often we're talking on social media or texting each other. Um, so I think it's definitely a good sense of connection on a personal level and a business level. Um, but then as an introvert, I do find it, I think the bigger the uh, quote-unquote brand gets, I think I do, I do struggle with the amount of notifications, the amount of... Um, you know, it's, it can feel like a pressure. Um, so I think it's just, it's learning to just treat yourself as a human being and allowing you, knowing what you're capable of doing um, and not feeling bad for not being the, um, the perfect machine. <laughs> you mentioned you write a book a year and it's all quite planned out when you need to do things. I sometimes like to get authors to run through the writing routine of a year to, 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 to distill it. Right. So, um, when when you finish when a novel is published when how much time do you give yourself before writing again when will you have ideas for what that new book is going to be how long will the first draft take you just kind of take us through the routine of a year if you can you don't need to be as detailed as the day was but just take it away yeah sure i think I mean, do you know what? i think it, it can change um year on year to be honest i think my what i would like to do is i have um a couple of, I, they, they tend to overlap as well. So when I'm writing one book, I'll be researching the next or planning the next. So I'm trying to lay the foundations of ideas and beginnings and ideas from middle and an ending in, in sight. So I written characters. And I'm trying to plan that out ahead of time. Um, so then when I arrive to write the first draft, I've got that foundation. Um, and then I uh, will write a first draft that can take up to... Oh, it, it changes from book to book. Do No Harm was three months, um, but Conviction was at least six or seven, uh, six or seven months. So it can depend on the story um, and the circumstances. Um, and then I like to do a further two more drafts after my first before I share it with anyone. So my second one is me really polishing it, me rewriting things. And then on, after the second draft, I'll print it out, go through it with my red pen and really elevate it and polish it. Then I'll share it. And then the real editing begins. Um but yeah, and I think, so I think the first draft can take, actually, the first draft probably takes about five months and then the subsequent drafts take a, a month or two more. Um, so that's my, tends to be writing routine. I think I, it, but it tends to change with the, with the, as a career changes, the writing routine can change. So now for the first time, I was published in hardback for the first time last year. And with that comes two publication days. So this year for the first time, I had a publication day in April for my paperback of Do No Harm. Um, and then in June, I had the hardback of Conviction. So it's trying to find that. So it, it, it can mix around the writing schedule a bit. Um, so I think I'm learning to become, I do like the order a bit. I do like my routine, but I do think I'm having to become more open to change and fitting around it. Um, but also knowing when, um, yeah, kind of what I said before, knowing when I can uh, do everything and when I can't. So if I need to say, right, I can't write this month because I'm moving and I'm promoting and I'm doing these things and, you know, I, I can't fit in the writing around this, I have to pause. And then, so now I'm thinking, right, now I need to write. So I'm going to pause on this area. I think, yeah, learning to have those, ha creating your own peace amongst um, uh, 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 the exciting times for um, a publication, fitting it in. You, you said that, the first draft of Do No Harm was quite a bit quicker than the first draft of, of Conviction. How much of 
that difference is due to kind of external factors or is it simply that first draft was just much more writable? You know, you mentioned when you were taking us through the routine of the day that you'll try and do a chapter and maybe get a few scenes on top. Some novels, it just comes out a lot easier and you can't stop yourself. Is that how it works? Yeah, I think, I think so after doing seven books now and I'm writing my eighth, I think some books, and you don't know which it's going to be either, which I, I really wish I could tell, but some books are just easier to write. Um, I think they just, they naturally flow out. And I've only had that twice. Um, so a book, Night by Night, that came out, um, and I, I, I needed two drafts for it, really, and it went to line edit rather than, than a structural edit, which I was really shocked by. Um and then with Do No Harm, it kind of, it, it flowed out. Uh, but then with Conviction, I think sometimes stories need to be written a different way. And so with Conviction, I um, I started it with a multiple, multiple point of view um, narrative and it wasn't working. There was only one character that needed to be there and that, it, that had to be the, her story. Um, and so I had to cut the other one away, but I had to kind of write myself into realising that. So I kind of had a false start of 50,000 words delete, 50,000 words delete. It was much harder than before. Um, but I think also that was, um, like you say, with the external factors as well, I think that pressure um, of if you deliver a book that people are excited about or, you know, that things are picking up and so and then having to de- deliver on the promise of giving another good one or an, a deadline. And so I think external factors can definitely affect it. Um but I think, and also as you go, I think sometimes you can uh, fear of crumbling under the pressure of, oh no, but I've, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And other times you've just got to realise that, you know, I'm capable of this, I'm a human being. And you have to kind of remind yourself that. <laughs> um, just one last question before we talk about conviction. Yeah, so the novel Do No Harm kind of released last summer, I think originally was, uh, it was like big, it was like this word of mouth hit, right? And then uh, the paperback was the Waterstones thriller of the month. How much... Did you visibly feel things change around you after that success? Um, Did you, and does that come in with now pressure about the book that comes after that? Yes, I think, um, so yeah, no, I was so amazingly lucky with Dino Harm. I think I, um, when it was announced, uh, well, it started with, um, when I went to Harrogate Crime Writing Festival um, and handed out proofs there. And I think I first realised that it was an excitable title when I did a signing and there was a queue around the corner. And that was, that was, uh, was not anticipated. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, oh, okay, something's happening. Um, And then I, I just noticed, yeah, you just, you feel that buzz. And then, you know, my team, we'd look at each other with like excited eyes, like, oh, there's something's happening. And you just, it's, and you don't want to rock the boat. So you don't want to almost say out loud. And, and yeah, I was just, it was, re- I was really, it, I think, and after, and I'd been writing, um, it's been 13 years now, after 12 years, ha- feeling this feeling, it was a real pinch me moment. I think it was um, one that I was determined to, I'm not very good at sitting in the moment and enjoying. I'm usually thinking 10 steps ahead. So it was, it was a wonderful reminder to ground myself and enjoy that feeling. And it was really wonderful. And then the paperback uh, with Waterstone's Thriller of the Month, um, it was absolutely phenomenal. I think there's no feeling like it when you see the booksellers who have made windows of your book and, um, you know, there was 3D cutouts of my, there were like uh, uh, 3D cutouts of my book, like cardboard cutouts. Like it were, 
um, heart monitor lines on windows. It was just people had put mannequins with doctors' jackets on. It was just it was it was phenomenal. And I think so. I mean, so many dreams came true with that publication. And then I think it does add pressure to your next book. But then I think I think it's it's very easy for writers to feel that pressure but I think ultimately we just have to realize that what we are doing it for is telling stories and connecting with people and connecting with ourselves and that's what we're here to do and so success is kind of an external external part of it that's easier said than done because we need to pay the bills but I think focusing on the story and how you feel about it and how it makes you feel and how your readers feel I think and allowing yourself to just write for the sake of writing the story you want to tell without that external pressure. And I, I definitely try and push that away when I'm writing a first draft anyway. Um, but yeah, the pressure's real. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We're back with more from Jack in just a sec. If you're enjoying the show, if you've learned anything along the way that helps you tell stories, 280-odd episodes now, uh, if we have helped you plan your day, you can become a backer to our show to help us carry on patreon.com forward slash writers routine by pledging to support us. It really helps us out. It helps us keep bringing you these chats with the best authors around as often as possible. We will be right back into the regular schedule uh, from September onwards, really, everything's always a bit scattergun through the summer. But from September, every Friday, interviews with the best authors around. And if you'd like that to carry on, you can support the show. For just a couple of dollars a month, you get merch. There is bonus content. There is even a way for your book to sponsor the show. And I'm so happy that in the next few weeks, I've got some brilliant backers with fantastic work out that we can talk about. So um, make sure you keep an ear out for that. And if that's you, I will be in touch within the next few days, I promise. And it doesn't cost a lot. I know things are quite tight at the moment, so I'm very appreciative of anything that you can send over by becoming a backer and pledging at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Jack Jordan chatting about his new novel, Conviction. It's about Neve Harper, who must make a choice. Betray every principle she's ever had by putting a potentially innocent man in prison 
or risk putting those she loves in mortal danger. We talk about why Jack likes to put characters into tough situations and then see what happens. Also, how much he's changed over 13 years of writing. And we get back into it, talking about that very first idea for Conviction. Where did it come from? So Conviction is the story of uh, defence barrister Neve Harper, who has landed the trial of her career, uh, defending a man accused of killing his family but protests of his innocence. Uh, however, leading up to the trial, she's approached by a man on the tube who uh, exposes a secret from her past and makes her choose. Either she must throw the trial and send her client to prison or her own criminal past will be exposed. So that was the kind of... So when I was writing Do No Harm about a heart surgeon who has to make a choice between kill a patient on the, killing a patient on the operating table or never seeing her abducted child again, um, it was that moral dilemma that caught me. Um, and it was that choice and it was about that. And I love taking a good character or potentially good character and putting them in a bad situation and seeing how they're fair. Um, but I, I think when we're working with moral dilemmas, we really have to up the ante of the dilemma for the readers to be able to put themselves in the character's shoes and really feel the same emotions that the character's feeling. And so we have to kind of think about what is important to the reader. And it's usually those integral, instinctual uh, important elements to our lives. So with uh, Do No Harm, it was our health. You know, we're trusting a surgeon with our welfare. Um, it's, you know, it, there's, I don't think there's probably, there's probably, there's not, probably not a relationship that defies, uh, defines or balances on trust more than that. Um, so then when I was thinking of conviction, I wanted to explore this moral dilemma um, further. I thought, well, what else is going to, give readers that same sense of instinctual fear. And if it's not our health, then surely it's our freedom. And I think I've always wanted to write a legal thriller, but the idea of having freedom and innocence in jeopardy, um, I think it's because we could all be committed, uh, committed, uh, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? We could all be thought of to have committed a crime tomorrow um, and it's down to the system to protect us. But what if that system isn't protecting us and it's protecting itself? And I think, and then, then that dilemma within the character who might have to make that decision. Um, yeah, I just, I think that I, I love to get to that moral dilemma um, and really, because it, it gives the reader the chance to ask themselves what they do. And it's amazing how many people have different answers. So what comes next then? We spoke earlier how you're a, um, a planter, kind of halfway between a pantser and a plotter. How much did you know about everything before you sat down to write? I'm, I'm bearing in mind that you also said you, uh, you, you, know, you might like to jump a few scenes ahead to write something you're really keen and excited to do. That must mean there's some plan in place. How much do you know about everything before you type away that first sentence? Really good question. So I... When I'm planning ahead of time, when I'm writing another book, I'm thinking of the character, I'm thinking of the plot. So I will have an opening in mind, I will have a mid-scene in mind, and I'll have an ending in mind. But so when I first start thinking of an idea, it comes to the plot first, I think of that hook. Um, so it's very plot-based first, and I'm thinking about, well, where do they start? When is this life-changing event going to happen when they're given this ultimatum? And then what is their journey going to look like? And then how do I picture it ending? Which can often change, but at the time when I'm planning, I like to have that in sight. So I'm building the blocks of the plot there. But as I'm doing that, then I'm thinking of a character arc. I'm thinking, okay, well, this character 
has to, you know, do something terrible. How is that going to make them feel? How are they going to do this? What equips them to be able to do this? And then I'm going into their psyche and I'm going into their past um, to then see how they'll change throughout the book um, and what's at stake for them, if not just their 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 duty, but their personal lives, you know, who matters most to them? Who are they going to be at jeopardy? So I'm really building that ahead of time. And then when I, so I've kind of got a, a foundation of, I know what the act one is going to be. And I know what a lot of the middle is going to be and I have an idea of what the end is going to be. There's still a lot of gray areas, but enough foundation for me to think up the ideas as I go or think a few weeks ahead in terms of planning. Um, but then when I sit down to write it, I've got, I've got that plan in mind. I then feel the pressure of, I've got to sit down about 100,000 words now. And that is not a nice feeling. <laughs> so I write in acts. Um, I will write act one. So instead of thinking I've got to write a whole book, I think right now I'm sitting down and I'm writing act one. So I'm writing from the beginning of the book to the life-changing event. And then from there, I will, um, my act two is um, when I'm writing split into two. So I think right now I'll write from the life-changing event to the midpoint. And then from the midpoint to the, um, what I like to call the all is lost moment, which was um, Snyder's uh, screenwriting book. And it's kind of a, that point in a story where all is lost uh, before the end. So I like to write my way into stages. So it's not so overwhelming. And, and talking about that character, you just said you need to get to know them incredibly well, because that's what this moral dilemma faces on. You want to take someone, a strong character, you hope and chuck them into a situation where everything all is lost. Uh, what questions are you asking yourself before you start writing? How do you get to know them really well? So with um, so with Neve Harper and Conviction, for instance, so I came up with the idea of the plot for, okay, I need a barrister who's done something wrong to then potentially put her client's welfare in danger uh, to save herself. Um, so then I immediately think, well, what's she done? What 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 is this thing that she's hiding? Um, and then, so then I will come up with an idea of, I can't show you what she did. Uh, you have to read the book. <laughs> but, um, she did something bad, but we don't know why she did it. We don't know how she did it. We just know that something happened. Um, and it's a crime that she never wants to see the light of day. Um, but then that's when I start asking questions of, well, how do I get to ask questions of, well, how did she do it? Why did she do it? How, wh- why did she make the choices she made? made why did she conceal it why didn't she admit it what was at stake um and then it looks into so neve harper for instance she has a lot at stake in her personal life so she was raised in foster care she doesn't have um an inbuilt family around her she so then she became close with her in-laws uh, who kind of became her surrogate family um and then her husband went missing um but and her crime may potentially be around that factor. But if she were to admit to doing something bad, would she lose the family that she never had and she'd found? So there's so many different layers of the the losses that the character could have. It might not, not just be their job and their duty and their freedom and going to prison. It might also be their the family that they finally found that they'd always wanted. It might be, um, you know, it's, it's it's getting down to those deeper layers. Um, and then also I like to think, well, if I'm putting a character under pressure, how are they going to deal with that? How are they going to deal with that pressure? Um, so for, for example, with Dr. Anna Jones and Do No Harm, uh, she is, I, when I was thinking about her character, I'm thinking, well, she's, a, she's almost like a godlike figure in the operating theatre where everyone looks to her for instruction and she's kind of a captain of the boat, as it were. 
So if she's feeling out of control, how is she going to feel about that? She's a, she's a character who thrives on control and order. So how is she going to feel when she's out of control? And that is when I was inspired by, um, Kind of, to be honest, kind of how I feel as someone who likes orders, I've kind of described my writing routine. How would I feel in that situation? Um, how anxious would I feel? What ticks would I have? And um, so my Dr. Anna Jones ended up having t- uh, trichotillomania where she pulls out her eyelashes. And that was a, a visual and stimulus that showed the reader how she was coming apart at the scenes and how she wasn't controlling the situation as well as she could have done um, if she was in a if, there were, if the stakes weren't so high because she's so used to order and control but now she can't handle it and we see her coming apart so I think it's looking at their type of character it's looking at what's at stake for them personally uh, through their history and what their future will look like if they don't get uh, what they don't do what they have to do you said you had always wanted to write a legal thriller um and there are these slight deviations, right, in crime as a big genre. And fans of, say, legal thrillers over kind of more forensic cases or more uh, procedural cases like this, there is little tweaks. How much did you kind of learn about writing legal thrillers before you started writing one? Oh, so now, now it's time for me to confess that I'm a massive geek. Um, I love research. It is, I, I really, really love it. I think, so before the writing routine, and when, it, so when I say I'm like planning ahead for a story, um, I, I like to challenge myself in thinking, well, what setting can this be in and what challenge will it be for me? Uh, so writing about heart surgery was a very big challenge. I didn't know anything about that. Um, so I read a lot of textbooks, um, I w- read a lot of autobiographies by um, consultants and surgeons um, to kind of learn what was going on beneath the white coat and out of the operating theatre and how they dealt with the decisions they'd made and mistakes that they'd made and uh, acting like God almost. Um, so I, I wanted to get into their minds and not just into their technicalities of their job. Um, and I also watched open heart surgery on YouTube. So that was do no harm. And then with conviction for the legal area, I, I I was lucky in that I'd done a lot of research for a previous book. Uh, they didn't see the light of day, actually, but I came away from that with a lot of legal knowledge. Um, and so I read a lot of textbooks and, again, a lot of autobiographies by barristers to get into their minds and get into their history so that I would have known how uh, Tom, Dick and Harry of a barrister would have found their coming up through the bar and how they got to that, their backgrounds and, you know, who the industry is open to, who might not be open to, um, how they found the process, you know, how how the pay is, what the pressure is of the uh, of the uh, justice system at the moment in the in the UK, it's not doing too well um, with underfunding and backlog of cases. So we think about the pressure there. So I'm doing research with newspaper articles and uh, features, and also I think a really good thing to do is read legal thrillers uh, or within your genre that you're writing because you need to see what is being shared and what isn't being shared. There is that balance between explaining and over-explaining. And I think to see how other amazing writers have done it and how they've handled the genre and what their take is on it. Um, and the, the likelihood is your take will be different, but seeing how someone else has done it has kind of, can kind of open your mind to all the facets of writing in that environment, especially when you haven't got that background like me. And last question. And you have been like wonderfully self-analytical this whole time. So thank you so much for that. But over the last 13 years of writing and seven published novels, 
how much do you think your style has, has changed as you've, well, it's up to now? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I think it, it only improves more. I think, I think every book in terms of writing and style is better than the last, I think. And it all, I think the more books you write, the more you end up being surprised of your own voice and how it can come to you easy, um, more easily. Um, so if I write a rough draft, I'm terrified to look back at it. I now start to think, actually, that's not too bad. Whereas before, I would have to really um, amplify my voice and be very conscious of word placements and style and the tone of what I'm doing. But now it can it kind of comes freely. Um, so even when I'm writing in a scramble, it, it tends to come out quite nicely. And I think, I think uh, to define my voice, I would say it is. Um, both frantic and moody. <laughs> uh, I think I found my voice in terms of um, tone, in terms of mood. Um, so it can be quite, the stories I write can have quite of a melancholic background because people are writing about um, places they don't want to return to and how it's made them feel and how they've kind of survived what they've had to survive. And now are in a very tense situation. So it jumps, it kind of jumps from that tension um, that, the, that kind of brings the thriller aspect to the, uh, broodier introspection of the characters when they're uh, between tense scenes um so yeah and i think so uh, it's it's my voice is definitely cleaner and more direct and uh yeah i'm really happy with it thank you so much to jack for coming on the show that new novel is conviction find out what happens to neve harper you can get a copy right now We'll be back soon with another brand new author on Writer's Routine, where we take a look through an author's working day. In the meantime, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Writer's Routine. You can drop us a follow on uh, Twitter, X, thingy-majig, at Writer's Pod there. You can even get in contact with the show, writersroutine.com. Use the contact form there. And I will see you really soon with another fantastic writer. Until then, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.